Welcome to the Wealth Radar podcast, where we scan the landscape and navigate the noise of investing in personal wealth. I'm Paul Fowler, and I'm joined by my brother Jason. We're both certified financial planners from Fowler's Group, and in this episode, we'll be fielding questions from our Ask Us a Question Facebook post. Thank you for the people who commented. And if you haven't already, jumped on the, our Facebook page, like the page, um, throw comments, ask us more questions because it gives us a lot more content. Um, I'm laughing because this is my, <laughs> my second crack at this and I got it wrong the first time as well. Um, welcome, Jason. Yeah, it's great to be here, Porco. Um, yeah, it was really good that we've possibly got people out there mm. listening. It's nice to know that they've interacted with the page and a couple of people giving us nice comments about uh, the previous episodes, which we'll touch on a couple because some things have happened in recent days that just sort of emphasises mm. some of the things we talked about. And we've got a couple of great questions. We've got uh, five, five questions, questions that have been asked, so we're going to whack through them and you know we'll each have a go at answering the, the same question. Um, hopefully we've got some consistency in some of the things we say um, and stay tuned to the end for one of the, the the sort of catch questions that we got asked was what was the biggest financial mistake we've made so we'll share those at the end which is uh, interesting yeah, and hopefully people can that, learn. We've got to cut that one short because that are. could take up a whole episode from, from my personal uh, circumstance. Yeah we've all done anyway, some dumb yeah. things over time right we learn as we grow. So first question Paul and it comes from Kay. Kay. How important is it to diversify your investments? Ah, yes. So, look, in, in the, the, the short answer is, yeah, it, it, it's very important. It's, it's, it's a way to um, basically reduce risk without necessarily affecting returns. If We did an episode with Peter Mansell a couple episodes yep. back, so go back and have a listen to that. Um, diversification was one of the starting five um, when it came to, to investing in, in the book they wrote, so go and have a listen to that. But basically, um, there's a man by the name of Harry Markowitz, Yes, um, very important. Well known um, for his work he did around modern portfolio theory. He, he won Nobel Prizes and he's, he's a pretty cluey guy. Um, and basically what these research specific around diversification was that if you combined um, assets and differing assets and asset classes, you can actually reduce volatility without necessarily affecting returns and vice versa. You could, in some cases, you actually can increase returns without necessarily taking on more Yep. Volatility. Um, I think this is quite common in the industry. We always use it's the only free lunch because it doesn't cost you to, yep. to diversify. Everybody um, can do that, right? Everybody can spread their assets. Exactly. So, yeah, in, in the answer to the question, yeah, we think it's it's important and it costs nothing. Yeah, and as just to pick up on that, and as Peter said um, in the book, there's a couple of types of diversification, right? So most people think about diversification, you know, I have money in the bank, I have a property, I have some shares. Some people even think that I have superannuation and I have an investment account, right, that that's diversification. It's not It's not really, it's just different asset class, uh, different products. But So it's important to diversify across asset classes, but it's also important, which is what Markowitz's work was about, to diversify inside asset yep. classes. So it's one thing to say I'll own... BHP shares and have a term deposit with the NAB, but you know if I have a couple of bank accounts and some bonds and then I own 10 or 12 different shares, then I've got greater levels of diversification. So it's really easy. And as you said, it's the one thing you get for free. Yeah. Everyone can do it. Really doesn't cost a lot and it has massive benefits. Because when it comes to investing, there there is an inherent risk w- with whatever you do. If you're yes. investing, that you're taking on board risk, right? So diversification is just minimizing some of that risk that you can take off the table that you don't that you don't you don't actually need um i mean if you talk about risk in investing if you if you dig a hole and put your money in the 
in the ground. If you're that type of person, there's still a risk there because your money's not going to keep up yep. with inflation. Especially was in the bank. Especially was old paper money because it degrades over time. Yeah, exactly. Or if you're, you're investing in property, there's a risk. The value can go up and down. The rent can go up and down. People can stop paying rent. If you're investing in shares, the same thing. We see it every day. Values going up and down. Companies stop paying dividends or whatever. So there, no matter what you do, there's a risk. So it's a matter of not having, not having sort of putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. And um, I, yeah. I think that's exactly right. And I think the other important thing that diversification does, and you know, we'll we'll talk about it. Probably have a proper episode around this book I've just finished called The Psychology of Money. And I think I've talked about it in a previous episode. But Morgan Housel in the book talks about the fact he talks about his own personal investments, and he says that you know he holds a lot of cash, right? Cash reserves because, and that's his diversification about the volatility that comes from investment markets. So. Mm-hmm. He, that having that cash and that security in his own mind allows him to ride volatile times out. And that's just a different yeah. way of the same thing, right? It's the cycle. We do silly things generally because emotions get in the way and diversification means there's always something that's going in your favour generally. You know, it's mm. very rare. We've just had a period of time where most investment markets have gone down all at the same time. Bonds, property, shares, they're all going down at the same time. I think the last time that happened was about you know, the early 80s, 80, you know, Oh, sorry, early 90s, 94, 95, yeah. right, so it doesn't, but generally the diversification gives us that it, flexibility. It, it's interesting, when you, just to, to touch on that a bit, when you say that all markets are down at the moment, it's interesting, we're in a situation where people with more conservative portfolios, say a 50-50 split, so to speak, so it's 50% in growth, 50% in defensive, their returns have actually been a little bit worse than someone that's had a more aggressive portfolio, which is... Which is unusual, but that's that's what's happened. Yeah, yeah. particularly at the first half of this year because of yeah. the way the bond markets were affected. So, yes, into that. Answer the question. I think we consistently have said this over a long period of time. Diversification, you get it for free, absolutely you should do it. And go and listen to the podcast with Peter Mansell. Yes. As one of his five pillars. Right, I'm going to flick a question at you, Jason. This one's from Rodney. Actually, this is one he, um, he bailed me up in the street, actually. Oh, right. Yeah, to congratulate us on the... The podcast, um, and he said, when are you going to talk about interest rates because they're, they're going up? So the question from Rodney is, <laughs> I guess we got to get the crystal ball out now, yeah. is say, where are inflation and interest rates going? Yeah, the answer is pretty simply, I, I don't know. <laughs> right? uh, and, and if you've listened to some of the stuff we talked about in your investing principles and a few things, you know, no one has a crystal ball, we don't know. What I, what I do know is that over a long period of time, they've gone up. And they've gone down and they've been flat, both of them, and there's different reasons for that. And certainly at the moment, you know, it's not unexpected for both interest rates and inflation to be going up. Given the level of money that's been spent by governments around the world, at some point, you know, that has to, that has to be paid back um, and, they, and they have to control the cost, of, the cost of living. So we've been through periods. I, you know, I think the challenge this time or what's concerning people this time is that it's a long time since we've seen rising rates of any serious mm. significance. But what people need to understand or remember is that we've come off basically close enough to zero, right? Yep. Home loan rates were at, you know, 2%. You could get deals under 2% not that long ago. Um, and so, yes, we're in a rate rise where home loans may be there at 5%. My first home loan, when, we, when Sue and I bought a house in 1998, our first home loan was at 10.5%. Mm, there you go. Right, and it wasn't that, long before that they were up around seventeen. Yeah, I, d- Dad had a commercial mm. loan on a property that went into the mid twenties when I was mm. at university. 
you know, which was in the early in the late eighties, early nineties, right? So and, historically, and, and at that time, he swore if if someone would offer him a, an interest rate for the rest of his life at fourteen percent, he'd, he'd take, take it, it every yeah. day. Of the week. So it's perspective. So it's absolutely perspective, right? And so the challenge, I think, this time is that lots of people have lo- borrowed lots of money when money was really cheap, expecting that money would always be cheap. And history says that doesn't happen, right? Yeah. They go through cycles, and and I think the challenge and and the problem is that people are now understanding that if interest rates go from 2% to 4% to 5%, your repayments don't just go up marginally, they go up exponentially, yeah. right? Particularly on a 25-year loan, particularly when you've got unjumented debt. And so it becomes a cash flow issue. And I can understand why people are concerned like that. And, and it's part of why you should have planning and talk to someone who can help you through that because... It's, it's a real issue, right? And, mm. and people in some ways are going to have to tighten belts or make different decisions, but we're not going to stop them. Interest yeah. rates will go up for a period of time and at some point they'll stabilise and at some point they'll come back down again. Inflation won't go up forever, you know? No. Well, well, part of the reason interest rates go up because inflation goes up to try and colour slow, a bit of that. The, to the slow spending. things I think down. The inflation, we haven't seen this size for about the last 20 years, I think early 2000s, it was around where it is now. But um, the simple fact of the matter is that you know, inflation goes up for. There's a number of reasons why it goes up, goes up. The demand, supply, and demand, mm-hmm. um, production costs, which we've seen go up, especially in housing, materials, and, yep. and, and costs, transport costs with groceries and food have gone up. You fuel throw, prices, you, fuel prices, um, and and then you throw in global supply chain issues. You know, all this has created um, no nil supply, so inflation's gone up. Yeah, and at some point it'll steady because, you know, productivity will kick in, mm. efficiencies will kick in, other things will kick in and a bit of fear that's in the mar- in, in markets at the moment with governments about, you know, they're going to get some of so, this money paid back. So do you lock in interest rates? Oh, it's the million-dollar question. My, my answer around interest rates is pretty simple. Um, the reason for, in my opinion, the reason for using fixed-rate loans is not about guessing where in rate markets are going to go. Mm. It's about managing cash flow. Yep, yep, exactly. That's my thoughts exactly. Yeah. And, I, I, look, I'm a bit of a fan of... Um, if, if you want to manage cash flow, I'm still a fan of having a bit of variable. Yep. Even if you, you split it half and half, just gives you that flexibility to sometimes pay more off if you can. So, yeah, I think variable gives you a bit more flexibility, but it's each to their own, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, history would say it's a bit like hedging against the Australian dollar, right? Mm. History will say the variable is the way you should always be, right? Yep. But what fixed rate loans do is give people comfort and certainty, right? There will always be some form of buyer's remorse. Sometimes your rates will go up. You know, I think this is the first time I've ever I've always had partially fixed and possibly variable loans for a cash flow management yep. thing too, and I think this is at the the I managed to fix some rates about eighteen months ago or twelve months ago, and it'll be the first time I've ever won. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Every other time I think I fixed rates, they've either stayed similar or they've moved marginally, and so I've ended up, my fixed rates being higher than my variable. You know. Yeah, exactly. You keep doing it long enough, eventually you you know one will go your way. But I think it's more a cash flow issue. That's what, from my opinion, yep. from planning, that's the best way to look at it. So, so the the short answer is we don't know. Yeah, and but we. yeah, proper planning and ca- cash flow is the main thing really with interest yeah. rates. You've got to be able to manage it because you've got to be able to live and don't take on too much debt. And don't part of the other thing with inflation, maybe some lessons about keeping up with the Joneses and mm. you know that sort of philosophy. We've got to tighten our belts, right? Yeah. Historically, we've periods we've gone through we've had to do that before we've come out of a great time and you know this well, may be one we, of those well times. we come through covid you know people as, as a whole have been locked up mm. we haven't been able to travel you haven't been able to spend money on travel on plane flights um 
not so much us up here in North Queensland, but a lot of places around Australia, people actually been locked up in yeah. homes, so they can't even get out. There's no restaurant. There's there's none of that sort of stuff. So um, there's been large cash flows to spend on other things, on on goods and and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, spending's stimulus gone through the roof, yeah. and that the government's put stimulus and we able to get money out of our super, and that's been spent on TVs and all this sort of stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of driven it a bit as well. Yeah, and it, it'll be what it'll be and we can't mm. control it, so we've just got to manage what we've got. All right, question number three, and this mm-hmm. comes from Mariam. Is property always worth the investment or is that a myth? Okay. Um, I'm just going to give one one word answer. I'm going to say myth. Yep. But I will elaborate. Okay. I will elaborate. Well, I hope you're going to justify I will, I, will, I will elaborate on that because... Um, Mariam specifically asked about property and why, why I say myth, I think that's uh, across all... Um, investment assets um, and the word she's used always is, is the main reason there because no matter whether it's property or, or shares or, or or a business that you invest in it doesn't always pay off um, all the time yeah. not all the time because um, for a number of reasons one you just made made a bad selection or you don't diversify so you pick one and it doesn't do too well or as you said Morgan Housel you the the emotion kicks in so you start making bad decision with good assets that you actually do have um, but if we talk specifically about property, I think um, why I think this thought of property also always does well is that essentially when properties get valued, they get valued when they're bought and they get valued again when they're sold. And in a lot of cases, you buy a property today, it's not sold for 5, 10, 15 years or, or even longer. And generally speaking, you buy a property today, you sell it in 10 years, it's going to go up in value, like, right? Like any Simple growth as, asset, like you hold any, it for long enough eventually it'll yeah. go up. So yeah. if you compare it to the share market, which is valued every minute, every day, you see it bouncing around all over the place. But if you could take a um, from today and forget about those bounces and just draw a line from today to t- or 10 years ago to, to today, you'll see an upward trajectory. So it doesn't matter what asset class it, it is, as long as you're in, for, if you're investing, you're investing for the for the long term, generally it'll, it'll pay off. Um, the things that people don't consider as well with, with property, because this is a property-specific question, is one, it's bought and sold and there's many years apart. The other consideration that people just don't sometimes donate in is the extra cost they paid along the along way. The way. Property. So you buy a property for 500000 you then put a pool in for fifty grand these days, add an extension, there's ongoing maintenance that goes on, there's interest on the loan that, that, that you paid. You've, you factor all that in, you sell the property for seven hundred, say, you haven't made 200, you've made... 200 less the holding costs. Less the holding costs. So um, there's a couple of things that people don't necessarily um, add into the equation to get a real yeah. real result. Ab- absolutely. And I think that that's... I mean, th- th- most of the... People can touch property. They feel it. They feel good about it, right? They can see it. It doesn't go away. Even though it might move in value, you don't see it. You, mm. don't, you, know, you don't experience it until you, unless you go to the bank for some more money. And, and I think the other valid point that you made there, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying property is a bad investment because it's like any growth asset over, held over a period of time, diversified world as part of a well-rounded portfolio, it's, it holds a place. Mm. But to think it's the be-all and end-all and never ever loses, I think is an absolute myth. Because, and particularly because most people don't buy properties with cash. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the the other thing that they don't factor it in is that because of that, there's a leverage benefit, right? So if I buy a property at half a million dollars and I only put in, these days you can get away with putting 
fifty grand in yep. or even twenty five grand. Once I, you know, when I bought my first mm. house, it was twenty percent. I didn't pay five hundred for it because I couldn't afford it. Um, but then I use somebody else's money to help me buy that, right? And so I'm getting the return based on the gross value, not on the net value that. I, well, my my returns based on my net input, but you know, a five hundred thousand yep. dollar asset's going to grow quicker than a fifty thousand dollar asset in do- in dollar terms, right? It's just compounding, yep. and so that's not factored in, right? So if you're truly comparing it one to other, it has a place, but there are costs there. It's just not a free ride. Yeah, well, it's like when. And it's same with investment portfolios, right? Correct. Same with superannuation. We, we've all seen the industry funds there. When they put the ads on, you've got to take into account cost when it comes in return. So we're doing it for industry funds or we're doing it for our super. We need to do it for, for all assets as well. So it's it's like for like apples for apples. The other thing I think with um, the property, as, as you t- touched on it, you know, we can touch it. We see it. It's ingrained into our into the Australian sort of life, I yep. guess. That, I mean, that that's what it is. But um, you also get this... It, if you've got a rental, you, you got this sense that someone else is paying off your mortgage. That's a common mm-hmm. comment we get. It's, it's, it's not costing anything because someone's paying off our mortgage. Um, and when it comes to investments, there's sort of two parts to return. One is what's income. So when you're talking about property, it's rent. When you're talking about shares, it's dividends that they'll pay. And if we're specifically talking about property now, if you if all that the rent is doing is paying the interest back or, or the cost, then you've got to think about where your return's coming from and it has to be coming from growth. Now, if that return's not coming from growth, then you've got to consider, well, what's, what? the, what's the value of this property? You've got to combine those both together to get a real return. Yeah. And, and as, as we said, it plays a part. It, you know, everyone loves it and understand because they, they feel like they understand it because mm. they have a house, they lived in it, they, they, they get it. Whereas for other investments, whether it be bonds or shares or anything, people don't understand it. They're like this thing that hits sit behind this fuzzy haze that we don't really understand. And if we don't understand, we don't trust. And therefore, mm. we, you know, they can't be as good. And I think it's just, you know, coming back to the first question, diversification is important, property in some form or fashion, whether Absolutely. it be real property, property trust, commercial properties, residential properties, plays a part in a well-diversified portfolio. And, and, and if property is your thing, if you're a property investor and there's many people that are very successful investing in property, you, you, we go back to the first question, diversify. Yep. You've got to have a number of them. You can't have all the properties in the same suburb in Cairns. <laughs> You've got them all over the place. There's commercial. So it's a matter of diversifying and that's when, that's when you're going to get the, the best result. Absolutely. Um, so the answer to the question is myth only because we said always, but that's for all investments it's- that you invest in, whether a share portfolio or put in the bank, whatever. Uh, oh, my turn to ask you. Is it? Thank you, Mariam. That was a good question. Okay. Oh, this is a bit of a long one. So this is from Megan. Okay. We'd like to help set up our family. Sorry, we'd like to set our family up for more financial security in the future. What steps can we take now to help us as our children grow from Megan? Yeah, a, a good question. So one of the challenges and having, having, I mean, I'm in a certain way lucky enough that from a financial point of view that, you know, my kids are almost on the end of the financial drain, I suppose, of the household budget, that uh, household income budget for Sue and I. I'm right in the thick of it. You are. You got, are. You, got right a few, of it. you got a few it's to go. Um, and, and certainly the difference between, you know, when we bought our first house in 98 and we both had a job and whatever and we had a, had a loan um, and we were making repayments, all of a sudden, you know, one comes along, then two, then three in re- rapid succession and the family budget changes. <laughs> right? You know, there's expenses that come with that. And so I think that the secret 
um, from a financial security point of view is, is, is pretty simple and it comes back to the concept of compounding interest, right? Which again, I'm going to keep referring to it because I think it's a great book. Morgan Housel talks about it. It's the greatest asset that people have. Mm. And to do a little bit all the time over a long period of time in a well-diversified way means that you're going to benefit. So one of the challenges in, um, in this stage of life, it certainly was for us as well, was finding spare cash, right? And yep. so having some form of routine savings that happens at a regular time that comes out just like when your home your, your mortgage payment comes out. Now whether that's you know setting some money aside into an education bond or some form of educational investment product to fund some kids education, whether it's simply putting in in a pure little investment portfolio, 50 bucks a week, whatever the case may be, or whether it's doing a little bit of salary sacrifice, making sure that you're doing a little bit more than just the standard, Ten and a half percent as it is now, into super because you get that before tax, and you know you're actually getting a slight benefit for that. So it's a, generally a bit easier to do. It happens in the pay packet, so you don't see it. I think anything that you can do over a long period of time, and just keep doing something. Sure, yep. it might be a bit less than you were doing before you had kids, but it's about managing mm. the cash flow and the lifestyle, but still do something. Yeah, because people who just stop. Are gonna struggle to catch up. Yeah, you know, there, maths just there's a couple work. of things there. One, one is you, one know your cash flow. You got to know your cash flow, right? Don't overextend on on debt. Live to your means. Um, and we talk about this all the time when we talk to clients, certainly accumulators or people putting money aside. And you, you touched on putting it away on a, a regular basis. What you can you can change how much you you put apart. But we we um, talk about paying yourself first. So a lot of so there are a lot of people you say go go do a budget right so you get your your pay packet in you say right oh this is the house insurance this is groceries this is for a beer this is for whatever this is the kids education insurance, this is whatever. the kids sport this is the kids clothes this is kids going to the movies this, you know if you, we're talking about kids <laughs> they just take it all um, and then whatever's left you, you you keep for yourself and sometimes it might be nothing sometimes it might be a hundred bucks sometimes it might be a th- you know what, what but it will change all the time depending on your, your budget you set well we try and flip that on the head and say right how much do we need to put away to get ourselves ahead well that's 100 bucks a week 200 a week thousand a month four thousand a month whatever it is you put that away and then you figure the rest out yeah but the important thing and you touched on that before is that what i i think the best way to do it is when your pay packet hits your bank account that money comes out straight away. So you don't have a chance to, to spend it and you just spend on what's left. I, I remember, I think it was the very first episode we did, we spoke about this, it could be Investing 101 actually, um, when I spoke about when I was an apprentice. Yep. And it was always, that, 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 that you know, you go from 140 a week and when you got to second year it went up to 200 and it's all this extra money, going to save all this money. It was in about four or five weeks, that 200 was spent and I was looking for the, to be a third year to get an extra seventy bucks a week, you know, so you'll manage to spend what you've what you've got. It's just building that discipline. Yeah, and I think it. I think there's a good point that in that is that also in this period of time, generally, if you know, whether you're a one income family or a two income family, generally incomes increase. Right, you're in you're entering most people when they're having kids are entering the prime earning capacity years. So salaries are going up, and I think that the important thing, the lesson that you just touched on from the apprentice is. As a pay rise happens, do something with part of it. Yeah. Because if you don't, it'll just yeah. become normality, right? You'll spend it. 
And so, and that's why I think one of the, when most people don't do it and most people don't think about super because it's so far into the future, but it's such an easy tool and it can be done through payroll really simply by just going, right, I got a pay rise. It's a hundred dollars a week. I'm going to put an extra 20 bucks a week into super and I just do it. And it reduces your tax. Yeah, correct. But doing it on that routine, I think there's two lessons in that. Always continue to do something. Well, might be more than two messages. Continue to do something. Make sure you live within your means and when incomes change, because they generally do through this period, make a decision that adds a little bit more to the future as well as putting a bit more into the pocket yep. for today. And, and really understand what you want to achieve. Know what your goals are because yep. – um, and, and it's not that everyone's the same. So you're only going to do it if you have, a, you have a goal and it's a goal you really want to achieve because that's what's going to make you keep the discipline. Yep. It's just a, oh, yeah, I want to put money aside for – you don't really have an, an outcome, it's too easy to say, you know what, I'm going to dip my hands back in and pull, yep. pull some out. Yeah. So I, that, that's important. Have a discussion with your spouse and whatever. What do you really want to achieve? And that is totally different for everyone. If it's pay off the house, we'll pay off the house. That's right. And I think that's really good because that, that, it's an important part of conversations we have with clients when we're planning. It's about what do you want, yep. not what do I think you can do, right? Because yep. if it's about me, you will not do it. If it's about you, it's got a purpose and a meaning. And I, again, I, I seem like I'm referring to this book and maybe because it's just in my head and I've just recently listened to it. Morgan makes a great quote in his book. Financial decisions are not made with a spreadsheet. They're made around the dinner table. Yeah. People make decisions around a dinner table and it's about emotions and feelings and what does it mean for us. It doesn't matter what the maths is, right? The maths is how we get to that, but you've got to actually understand what it is you're trying to do. Yep. Have a purpose and then have – if you don't, have someone, have someone to help you get on that journey and stay on that journey and remind you about why you're on the journey because at some point something's going to go awry either from a personal point of view, from a financial point of view, or markets are going to disappoint. And it's that those, all of those points, mm. you've got to remember why you're doing something and if you keep focused, it's like any good coach in any football team, right, or any sporting team. When things aren't going well, it's what they actually say at halftime or you know the week before training into another big game when you thought about getting you focused on why we're actually doing this and mm. things don't always go our way and that's yep. an important part of financial planning i think yep that's exactly right all right okay so that's been we've good we rattled through that here's 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 the big one right okay. so the question and this has come from greg that's uh it's an interesting thought-provoking ref, self-reflective question what is the biggest financial mistake you've personally made and most importantly, what did you learn from it? What did you learn from it? Okay, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> um, okay, I've got a couple. I've got, I've got one where since we've been talking about property, I've got a property one. Um, I've also got a uh, share portfolio one as well, so I've, I've done it all. And if you want to talk about horses, we can go there as well because I, I used to think they were an investment. I thought it took me 20 years to realise they're not. <laughs> but anyway, so um, the property one. So I do remember, oh, this is a number of years ago, oh, a long time ago now, we um, was – we wanted to get out of the house we were in and we wanted a, a, a new a new house to live in. We found this house we wanted to live in, so we bought it. And at the time, we thought the market was moving well. We'd get rid of our house, no worries. So we had this these dual loans going on at the moment, one for the new property and one for the, the current house we had. Um, and we put it on the market and the very first weekend, there would have been, we're on acreage at the time, there would have been 40, 50 cars parked in the on our, on our front lawn and we, and we got an offer first offer in um we said no nah, we're not taking that look at all these people <laughs> we'll get plenty more 
Anyway, long story short, 12 months later, we still hadn't, <laughs> we still hadn't sold this thing. We'd moved out of the house, living in a new house, pay, paying um, two mortgages, getting no rental income in on the, on the one we're trying to sell. And at the end of the day, we did sell it, and we actually sold it for the exactly the same amount that we were offered 12 months previously. Day one. Although it cost us, you know, 12 months first of, of interest. Plus rates. Along the way, plus rates, plus insurance, plus... Stress plus feeding the kids only once a day, not not three times a day. But on the back of that, it was around the same time. It was around the GFC. Yeah, yeah. Because this goes to my share portfolio, right? <laughs> so I'd, I'd um, done what we said earlier in the previous one, put money aside on a regular basis into a, to a portfolio. And the markets were going um, well. And I'd done a bit of margin lending as well at the time. Anyway, the, the GFC hit. I think we were at Rocky at the time. We were at our brother's wedding. Yeah. Um, and the markets, I don't know, they initially dropped, I don't know, 10, 20% or whatever. Anyway, I went in um, close to a, a margin call where they, you know, if you get a margin call, you either got to sell down your assets or put money in to get the percentages um, back correct again. So um, I went to the went to the bank that we had our home loan with and borrowed the, the little bit of money left we had to borrow. So keep yeah. in mind we had two home loans. <laughs> so I went and said, oh, oh. it's dropped. I can buy in low now, so I went and borrowed the, the max again to get rid of the, the margin call. Did that, got me back in line, and then the markets began to plummet another 30%. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'm in margin call again. Um, very nerve-wracking. Um, thank God for family. Um, I managed to um, have a, a parcel of shares from – or mum had some shares that we could um, put up as security on the to, for the margin lender so I didn't have to go again because I didn't have the cash flow yeah. to go again. So – the lesson there, um, I guess in the, in the end it worked out okay, but the lesson there from the property, just take the first bloody price someone gives you because quite often it's, it's, it's close to the mark anyway. That's, that's least, my personal or at least Or at least have a conversation with them about whether it's their best offer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> exactly. Hey, trust me, it was stressful at the time. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, and with the, with the shares, yeah, I guess the the lesson there was because the markets fell, I went all in thinking, oh, it's not going to go again. But, it, you know, I was trying to pick the market Yep. Uh, in, to a certain extent. Um, so that's where I got it caught out a bit there. So they're two personal ones. Yep. And I think the other thing, you know, if I pick on that, the other lesson is that is understand the impact of your means, right? Because oh, yeah. interest rates also moved around in that yeah, period yeah, of time. Absolutely. Remember, they, they, they mm. rose, then they fell, and they rose back again. So she was, mm. I remember, she was a was pretty volatile ride. But good news is you're still here and we can, yeah. we can learn from it. Um, mine. I think the biggest one that I made, and, and, and dead set one, I am never, ever, ever making again, and I've probably shared this with a bunch of clients over a long period of time to make sure they don't ever mm. experience this is that and I can't I've actually blanked the date from my memory right but it's early 2000s sometime um and so I've been yeah we probably yeah we're in the house and I think Josh is born so it's early early 2000s Anyway, for a long period of time in that period, there was all of this tax-effective investment that would happen at June, right? There was people selling trees. There were people selling, you know, tech projects, all sorts of movies, all this sort of stuff, right? And the deal back, you know, the deal back mm. then was you did this, you put, them, you put this money in and you got 100% tax deduction or in some case 150%. So if you put in... $50,000, you got a deduction in some cases for $75,000 really? up front, bang, all right? 
And it was that good couldn't miss that what they also, most of these products were doing at the time, and were giving you the ability to borrow the money. So you could, like if you were putting in 50 grand, you could put in 10, a bank would, sorry, bank, an institution would yeah. lend you the other 40. So you actually got a $50,000 deduction up front for $10,000 put down and then you paid the loan off in the three years, five years, whatever guaranteed, you know, when trees went up. Anyway, mm-hmm. I looked at these things and gone, I, something had gnawed in the back of me for a long period of time. You never do something for a tax deduction, right? Yep. Because if you do at some point, it can't play. Anyway, for about four or five years, we just ignored these things. People kept knocking on the door. No, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. At some point, this is going to stop, right? Anyway, went on and on and on and on. And eventually, we succumbed. So whatever the year was, it's probably, and after half a dozen years of doing this, myself, dad, and I think like two really good close clients that we knew finally, you know, had been pushed against, well, we'll do this, right? And we invested in this thing was some tech scheme of I call at the time. I seriously blanked it from my brain. Anyway, so we went in, we did the thing. Thankfully, I didn't borrow I did borrow a little bit of money, but not much, right? So most of it was actually had some cash and I put mm. it in. Sure enough. So we do this thing in the June. In May, or sometime between July and May, the tax office comes out, blanket statement, all these things are got denied. This this particular year, tax deductions denied. You did any of this, done. Denied, right? So I've got this capital tied up in an investment. The deduction that I've banked on getting, right, gone. And I think it took, because there was some debt involved, there was court cases. It it was like eight years between when we did it to when we finally got the thing wrapped up. The, The bit of debt that I had was wrapped up. The loans were paid off. It was just... (laughs) <laughs> nightmarish right and i learned a very very i mean the good news in the story was i learned it so did you get did you get out in the end did you get money back or it was got everything was gone yep. so i did the dough that i put in yep it i ended up costing me money on interest on a loan that we argued about for like seven years of which i didn't get a deduction for that interest either right because the yep. it was into an investment that the deduction was denied i paid the extra i paid the tax up for well, i paid the penalty tax because of, anyway Seven years of my life that this thing, I had a file that built in my drawer mm. that I think when I finally binned it only, it's a bit like dad's first computer he bought, right, yeah, that yeah. we actually binned 15 years after it stopped working because of the price it paid and just yep. felt wrong. I finally trashed this file, you know, which must be, which was at least seven years after the year in which it finally got wrapped up, right? So that's, mm. we, it, it is early 2000s, this thing. I put it away and it was like I'd thrown this anchor off my... But the, the, the interesting lesson for me in that, apart from you should have known, you idiot, you know, do something for a tax deduction at some point, expect to someone's going to come and... Was, but that it a, just, was it a bit of FOMO? Everyone was in, everyone it was, just was in, one it of just those got things, you in the end? It, in, yeah. the, in the end, right? It just going, be, on, be, we're going, yeah. this has got to stop. And it just didn't. It yeah. just didn't. And then eventually it went, yeah. okay, well, get in. And then, of course, the year I get in is the year it falls yeah. over, right? Mm. Um, but the angst, you know, dealing with the tax office... You know, over a period of time, you know, having arguments, court cases, I'm like it was just a, a period of emotional. I mean, you talk about it, it, yeah. both of these experiences, right? They were painful, not not just financially, but they were painful emotionally, yeah. right? And that's the lesson in this. If you do stuff and you don't, coming back to something we said earlier in the episode, you don't actually think about why am I doing this? What is my purpose? Mm. And in reality, I could get where I needed to go without doing any of this. Yep. Then why the hell did I do so, it? So, and the lesson you, you mentioned right at the start is 
don't don't necessarily go to any investment initially for the tax. If no. the tax deduction is the main driver for an investment, long-term investment, probably not yep. not the best way to think about it. And the number of investments mm. we have turned down, people knocked on the door and I go, I'm not even doing it. Like, I'm yep. just not going there. If, if they come saying, oh, this is great, you get this tax break, then, you know, yep. I'm out, right? Yep. If the investment doesn't stand up on its own two feet without the tax break, then run. That's some questions, yeah. Absolutely I, run. I'm just going to throw one more. This isn't mine. This is Dad's, actually, so his family, so I can throw this one out. There's an interesting one. There's one about business. So uh, many, many, many years ago, there's a group of a Cairns people got together. Um, <laughs> this is a good story. And um, they thought of taking indoor cricket to America. So one of these people in, in the group actually ran an indoor cricket centre here in Cairns and I think quite successful at the time. So anyway, they flew over to, to LA to look at properties where they can, you know, put up these indoor cricket centres. Um, and I think the property was a little bit expensive there at the time and he, he flew back and it was going to be a goer. But then they, they actually did get a little bit smart in this instance. They said, well, if we're going to run this centre remotely, because no one wanted to move to America to run yep. it if we're going to run it remotely we should test it here first in australia so what they did is they went and uh, i think they actually leased a center in townsville which mm. for people not up here in north queens is probably is about 400 k's sort of um, south of cairns um and they employed um i think they went through two managers yep in a, in a short period of time to run this center um at the end of the day they and and they didn't run the center really well they they weren't involved. They didn't have a cut in. They, you know, they weren't passionate about it. So that all that all went pear shaped. No one else wanted to to move there. Um, so they did their dough. It was a great idea um, trying to get into the market in the states. Um, but they did their dough trying to run a business remotely from the start without actually being there. Yeah, I think think is the lesson. And and not necessarily having the skill set or the drive to to necessarily be in the business at at, at startup. Yeah. I think that that yeah, it's exactly right. So it's it's like that grass is greener stuff, right? Mm. It seemed like a great idea. It was going good. We can just pick this up and we can transport it. Now I mean, there's heaps of businesses, right? That someone goes, oh, that's a great idea. So I'll take mm. it off French and I'll do it all over the place and I'll leverage it. Yep. But certain businesses take a long time to get yep. that, and certain businesses just rely on people passionately driving them. And yeah, you, exactly. And you just take you take what what you can get, right? Yep. Sometimes. So I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there with a question from the, uh, the listeners and thank you very much for sending them in. Please send some more in. It's, it's, it's been great and a bit of fun. Um, you'll find a lot of the, the things we spoke about we actually have touched on on previous podcasts, which is, which is interesting and, and cool. Um, we got some uh, podcasts coming up that we, yep. we just want to touch base and we'll have a bit of chat about. The interesting thing, that, was it the insurance Podcast which dropped was the on last one to drop Tuesday, where we spoke about claims and and what have you. And interesting enough, since then we've had two or three major claims since we since we did that. Since we that did that, not, since we recorded mm, that episode, right? Yeah. In fact, one of trauma them's, claims. Sorry, that yeah. is when we spoke about the hidden. Yeah, because that was a one we'd recorded a little while ago. But you know, one of those actually just came up in the last week since it dropped. Like, and mm. it just is, yeah, it's just heartbreaking when it happens, but. The, the clients that that has happened to, all of them luckily had mm. this cover and yep. I think to a T have all said, you know, and, and one in particular said, you know, I remember we were trying to change this and do I really need this? Yeah. And, uh, and he said to me, I remember you saying to me, you may not and hopefully you never will, but I know people that this has happened to 
and in the end he kept it and now we've got a you know we've got a claim in play so yeah. it's just it's just so powerful and it's one of those things no one ever wants to talk about it no but i think it's something that is valuable if you haven't spoken to someone on you know and and we're not saying you come and talk to us no. you know just talk to someone yep. uh, about having some form of protection so that all of those plannings all the good stuff we always talk about financial planning the goals and whatever are not disrupted when something comes out of left field that you're just never going to expect. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Um, so coming up, we've got we're going to introduce a couple of the staff members, staff members, another business partner. Um, so Paul Horn, we'll, we'll do an interview with him and have a discussion with him with around probably some. We might even uh, ask him a couple of these questions we'll as well. Him, I'll, I'll guarantee he's made some bad financial decisions. <laughs> that bloke. Um, Mandy, we'll get her and talk about aged care, which is a massive topic and a, and a massive um, area these days especially with the baby boomers you know yep. getting old it's huge so that that one's quite interesting yeah um, that'll be really we'll probably good drop that one in a, a couple of weeks time yeah i think that one's really good because there's some lessons in that it's it's one of those areas that's really complicated and very emotionally driven and unfortunately in lots of cases people only start talking about it when it when they actually have to make a decision mm. whereas there's lots of things and Mandy will touch on some of these that we can think be thinking about in advance and discussing that actually make that yeah. transaction or that event a more seamless process yeah. and open some choices. It's, so that's it's, it's one of those discussions similar to the insurance you're talking yep. about. You're talking about events you, you don't want happen, but there's yep. every chance they're going to, and you've got to talk about them when everything's going. Yeah, absolutely. Going the, more, well. the earlier you're talking yeah. about, at least plan and have the concept in mind about if this happens, this is what we might be able to do. Yeah. Is really really important. I, I had a oh, sorry, change topic there. I had a client had coffee with. Oh, two days ago, and he um, he listened to the uh, the retirement, retirement series, the the psychological one where we spoke about the the, the four the four steps, and he said, "Geez, I I thought you were talking to me <laughs> listening to that. I said, I'm in the black hole. How do I get how do I get out of this this black hole?" So um, that was nice. He, he said he really enjoyed it and gave him perspective around you know retirement where where is that? Well, so that was pretty pretty cool to get that response. Yeah. No, it's been it's been good. So thank you uh, for listening. Thank you for the bit of feedback you've been getting. We we love to see it, and we wanna wanna know what you like, what things you'd like us to talk about, because you know it's actually enjoyable to sit around a phone, a uh, phone, sit around a microphone, and have a bit of a conversation. So hopefully you're enjoying listening to it. We're certainly enjoying doing it. You know, best place for feedbacks. Jump on the Radar, uh, Wealth Radar Facebook page, or even you know make comments in the in the in your podcast. Um, whatever podcast tool you do it'd be great if you can give us some ratings we've got some really nice people saying five stars know, that's five what we star. want five that's stars and comments if you think it's good jump mm-hmm. in and do it um and stay tuned you know uh, we're going to continue to drop these every fortnight on, on a tuesday morning so it's great to see that there's a few people that get in and you know and listen to them as soon as they go and then over the over the week or so that um more people listening so we hope that you enjoy them thanks for listening and uh, we'll chat to you at the next episode goodbye cheers This podcast is for informational purposes only and the information contained is of a general nature and may not be relevant to your particular circumstances. The circumstances of each investor are different and you should seek advice from a professional financial advisor who can consider if particular strategies and products are right for you. In all instances where information is based on historical performance, it is important to understand this is not a reliable indicator of future performance. 
You should not rely on any material on this podcast to make investment decisions and should seek professional advice. Fowler's Group ABN 5710524284 is an authorized representative number 230575 and credit representative number 403265 of FYG Planners Propriety Limited ABN 5509497250 Australian Financial Services and Credit License Number 224543